All right, back on Young Turks, a couple of interesting congressional candidates for you guys today. So let's get to it. Agatha Basilar joins us now. She is a congressional candidate running against someone you might recognize, Nancy Pelosi. She's 27 years old. Let's talk to her and find out how she's gonna do it. How you doing, Agatha? Hi, Jane, thanks for having me. No problem. So you are a Brazilian immigrant. You speak four languages, is that correct? Yeah, fluently, and then I took some others in college. Of course. Um, I tried to take Turkish because I already knew Turkish and I wanted a good grade. Uh, but the TA knew me and threw me out. Anyway, uh, so uh, you also won a jump roping contest, is that true? Yes, I used to be a competitive jump roper, competed nationally and internationally. Was in a Red Bull commercial two years ago. Help start the Stanford Jump Rope team. Yeah, it's a hobby of mine. Okay, fascinating. Um, so, what makes you want to run for Congress, let alone against Nancy Pelosi? Yeah, I'm running to change the future and to reclaim our democracy. I want to make our political system more reflective of and responsive of everyday people. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has been our representative for longer than I've been alive. And in that time, San Francisco and the world have drastically changed. And so I hope to. Lead into that future. Okay, so there's a couple of different components here, but let's start with Pelosi. Um, so, you say the world has drastically changed. So, why is Nancy Pelosi out of sync with the times then? Mm-hmm. Well, for one, San Francisco is the headquarters of Silicon Valley. The technology invented here influences the entire world. Our future is going to be dominated by social media monopolies tech companies, AI, automation. And right now, only 3% of the House of Representatives have any sort of STEM background. So as an engineer, I feel like we need more representation of representatives who have a sophisticated understanding of technology ethics. Um, Also, the times have changed because our country was founded on being more of a democratic country. At independence, we transitioned from the rule of one person, King George III, to the rule of a 1% system of Congress and money. But now we have the the technology, excuse me, 230 years later to represent 100% of Americans. We we could have a more representative system that is not co-opted by corporate influence. And how are you planning to beat Pelosi? Well, it'll certainly be an uphill battle, but I hope to speak to the plurality of who lives in San Francisco now. It is one of the youngest districts in the country. 41% of voters, of registered voters are millennials, and there's even more that we can inspire to vote. We are a diverse immigrant community. Those languages will come in and help. Um, And most of us work in tech, so I feel like there's been a loss of hope. Um, you know, here in Silicon Valley, sometimes you think if you want to make change, you build a startup and you disrupt the system. But I still have such a strong belief that government is the most impactful lever, lever to influence the majority of people. And so I, I hope to inspire this new generation and make them believe that it's our time to lead. And uh, there are other progressives in the race. So what distinguishes you from them? Right. Um, So when I filed to run, I was the first candidate. I was the only one challenging Pelosi at the time. And since getting to meet the other two challengers, while they are excellent advocates, I feel like it's up to the voters to decide. Um, I feel like we do have 
a lot of lawyers in Congress already. Um, we in San Francisco have a female mayor, two female senators, the first female speaker of the House. I think it's important um, to reach gender parity in Congress and fight for women's issues, that there are women, more women on the ballot. And representing, representing these other demographics is absolutely key. Okay, if you were elected, uh, what uh, policy planks would you uh, prioritize? I'm running on a progressive platform, so <clears throat> things that help the survival of humanity. That means climate change, fighting for things like a Green New Deal or Medicare for all. Um, immigrant justice, that's probably the topic that most personally and emotionally um, moves me and what I've been an advocate for for most of my life. Um, and then I'm also um, fighting for to represent the local issues of San Francisco. Um, we have become this emblem of income inequality and homelessness. We have a housing crisis. There's a lot that could be done on the federal level to influence this. And lastly, I'd like to create a vision for how we could use technology to collect the will of the people in real time. And I would hope to be a representative that makes decisions informed by how people vote on a real time, open source, secure digital platform. And um, and so Nancy Pelosi, on the other hand, has called the Green New Deal the green dream or whatever, and uh, and has sent her top staffers to assure the health insurance industry that Medicare for all is never going to happen. Um, so do you think that she is wrong about that? And do you think that she's influenced by the money that she's getting from those industries? Absolutely. So last weekend, the DNC had their meeting here whether to just whether to have a climate debate. And the Sunrise Movement, so a group of young people fighting for the Green New Deal, they had their West Coast Summit. And I got to speak in front of a few hundred of them. And that was an audience where just in the introduction, just mentioning that I was challenging Nancy Pelosi caused the entire tent of people to stand up and cheer and clap. You don't even have to say why challenging Nancy Pelosi is is imperative. Um, their preoccupation is the climate. It's the number one issue for young people under the age of 35. So absolutely, I think she's wrong about that. We don't have time. We're, we need to, we have 10 years to turn this ship around. So that delayed mentality, it, there's no room for it anymore. In terms of Medicare for all, yes, absolutely. Um, Nancy Pelosi's second largest donor base are private insurance companies. Um, so she's not going to advocate for a system that gets rid of that. So uh, Agatha, how are you gonna take the fight to Pelosi? Let, let me come back to that. So um, are, are you gonna do advertising, uh, volunteers? Do you have a sense of how much to lean in each direction? What would you put in an ad? Uh, curious about your strategy overall. Right. There's no way that I am going to outraise Pelosi. Um, she's already raised over a, a few million dollars for her own campaign, not to mention the $43 million that she's raised this election cycle for the DCCC. Um, and of course, that blacklist is at play in this campaign. Um, I have a background as a documentary filmmaker and also doing political advocacy and organizing. So I absolutely believe in people power, in getting people educated and mobilized. So definitely gonna have a strong ground game. 
Um, and then also want to pilot uh, ways of doing more participatory democracy. How do I not just be a candidate that preaches a platform, but builds consensus and brings people together who might feel like the political system isn't serving them? All right. Uh, the website is agathaforcongress.com. Uh, we'll have the links down below if you want to donate or volunteer. Uh, if you're watching this later on Facebook or YouTube, uh, Agatha, these days I presume that you're not taking corporate PAC money, but I just want to be sure. No, absolutely not. This okay. is a grassroots campaign, and we re rely on all of you watching to support and uplift this campaign to go forward. All right. Uh, well, lots of uh, good progressives looking to um, overturn Nancy Pelosi's reign, if you will, uh, and I couldn't be more supportive of that idea overall. Um, among, um, among the people standing up and applauding uh, at the idea of Nancy Pelosi no longer uh, being a representative, let alone Speaker of the House. Uh, so, Agatha, thank you for joining us on The Young Turks. I appreciate yeah. it. And thank you for all the work that you do. Thank Cheers. you. All right, uh, when we come back, another congressional candidate. We'll be right back. All right, back on the Young Turks. I got a great guest for you guys in studio. Her name is Rebecca Parson. She's running for Congress in Washington's 6th District. Uh, we already have a Democratic Congressperson there, so she's going to make a case for why you should get a new one. Uh, Rebecca, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Great to have you here. Okay, so who's the current Democratic incumbent there? It's uh, Representative Derek Kilmer. He's a Democrat. He's the chair of the New Democrat Coalition and just the Third Way Caucus in Congress. And he also belongs to the problem solvers, so he's a pretty conservative Democrat. Okay, uh, sold. Uh, <laughs> website is Rebecca for uh, WA.com, as in Washington. That's where you donate and volunteer. You don't take corporate PAC money, right? Nope, no lobbyist oh. money, no corporate money. Okay, yeah. uh, Rebecca for uh, WA.com, as in Washington. Uh, so the reason I say that, guys, is third way is the, uh, the bankers. That, that try to take over the Democratic Party, new Democrats are the conservative Democrats. Mm -hmm. So this guy uh, is basically uh, saying, I'm for sale, uh, but hey, don't worry about it, I'm a Democrat. <laughs> I am worried about it. So uh, anybody else in the primary? Nope, not right now. There will probably be a couple Republicans, but as of now, no other Democrats. And you got to beat the Republicans to make the runoff because in Washington, you could uh, two Democrats can go to the yeah. to the general election, yeah, right? Like California, we have the top two. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I remember Sarah Smith beat the Republicans yeah. to go up against Adam Smith yeah. in a Democrat on Democrat primary uh, up in Washington. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, looking forward to it this time too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, okay, Washington Sixth District then must be a red district or a purple district, and that's why Kilmer's <laughs> got to take the banker money and he's got to work with all the corporate interests. Because the red district that you're in loves big business, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. No, <laughs> no, it's a really working class district. It's voted for the Democratic president in every election since the district was founded. We've had a Democratic representative since the 60s. It's very blue. It's working class. It would really benefit from progressive policies like the Green New Deal and Medicare for All. But instead, we have actually we had very uh, represented very similar to Kilmer before him, Norm Dix. He was in office for 30 years. He chose Kilmer to succeed him. So we've actually had 40 years of the same corporate rule. And like Joe Crowley, who was uh, chair of the New Democrats, that's what Kilmer's doing now. And I think in a similar way, he's positioning himself to be Speaker of the House. And yeah, our district is working class, it's blue, it's democratic. Um, and it would, yeah. yeah, there's really no reason. 
Well, uh, so uh, we just showed uh, some of your district in the videos. It made me want to move to your district. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and you're right. That is a startling similarity to Crowley. Mm -hmm. uh, and Crowley was basically handed that seat by another person in the machine, mm -hmm. dropped out of the race, and with almost no time left, put Crowley's name on the ballot. Mm -hmm. The good news there for AOC was. Uh, Crowley had never been challenged uh, and never really won the seat in the first place. So nobody knew him when they <laughs> went up uh, for election. So I don't know how many people know your opponent uh, that's the current sitting congressman, if he's a mm -hmm. part of that machine and backed by the bankers, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, wait, do you have a giant number of banking executives that live <laughs> in your district? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, you don't? Okay, then you might be in good shape. Yeah. All right, so then let's talk about your background and, uh, and, and your policies, okay? So we get it, Kilmer's represents the moneyed interest, okay? Mm -hmm. So how about you? Uh, you come from um, which, uh, the Rockefellers or <laughs> the Rothschilds or who? The Waltons, yeah. The Waltons, yes, <laughs> right. the Cokes. Are you a Coke? You're yep, not a Coke? Secret Coke. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> Yeah, actually, my grandfather was in the military. He was an army officer, and my dad was a foreign service officer. Uh -huh. and, yeah, that's where no, it is. Uh, okay, no, okay. <laughs> and I thought about going into the foreign service, but I really wanted to enact change. I wanted to be able to affect policy. And so I looked at different ways of doing that. A couple years ago, I really I got involved with Indivisible Tacoma. I led that for a while. And uh -huh. Yeah, that's it. Okay, no, that's not it either. Funded by it? George Soros, but yeah. <laughs> by the way, it's not, it's not. Okay, yes, yeah. that's grassroots, no question. Yeah, and uh, the Indivisible Guide is amazing, but I think that it has, it's more effective on some representatives than others, namely the more corporate ones, it's not as effective on, they just don't budge. And so we would, you know, do these town halls and these letters, you know, one after the other, and it's like, you know, you just get this really nice, polite forum letter back, and it's like writing Comcast. They write back, it's like really polite and everything. It starts a dear valued customer, and then their <laughs> nice response, and then nothing changes. And so I was, you know, it got really frustrating. I started looking more into his background, and he's one of the top ten most conservative Democrats in the House. And not only is he chair of the New Democrats, he also belongs to the Problem Solvers, which is a very conservative caucus made of Republicans and Democrats. It's funded by Republican billionaires. It's been behind a lot of the conservative pushes in the House. And I thought, you know, somebody who takes, you know, two million every cycle from corporate interests and big donors and who belongs to these caucuses, who is so conservative, he's just never going to go for working class interests. Uh, he's going to be serving the donors. And so that's why I decided to run. Yeah. So the, everybody in Washington thinks I'm very impolite because I say obvious things such as, when you take $2 million from corporations, <laughs> I got news for you, you work for corporations. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, I don't know the answer to this question. Uh, do, do you, did Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump win that district? Hillary Clinton won almost all of it. There's one county that Donald Trump won. And this is really interesting because, of course, the centrist argument is like, well, that means we need to go more Republican light, more centrist. We need to just be fake Republicans and then they'll vote for us instead of the real thing. But what's interesting about this county is this is the first time they had gone for Republican in 70, 80 years. And I have friends who live there on the Olympic Peninsula. It's a beautiful, beautiful rural community. And he said, you know, even among his friends, his family that are Republicans, they voted for Trump. He said, you know, the Olympic Peninsula is not getting more Republican, it's getting more populist. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. It's not complicated, guys. They're frustrated. <laughs> Hillary Clinton was the most establishment candidate we've ever had. And even so, she won your district. I mm -hmm. mean, so there's no excuse for Kilmer 
to be among the top 10 mm -hmm. most conservative Democrats. He just yeah. likes the money, he likes the power. Mm -hmm. So do you know uh, what his voting record is on? Um, I mean, Green New Deal just came out, mm -hmm. to be fair, but, but you could sign on as a co-sponsor. I don't know if he has. Medicare for all, mm -hmm. been around a long time. Do you know what his record on those are? Uh, he refuses to co-sponsor both. Uh, he gives pretty evasive answers on Medicare for all and the Green New Deal. In private conversations that his staff have with activists, they've said he won't support the Green New Deal. And um, similar excuses that you hear from other people in Congress, you know, they can't take the no fossil fuel money pledge because that would violate House ethics uh, rules somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah. they probably would though. The House ethics yeah. rules are you must be corrupt. Yeah. If you're not corrupt, yeah. we'll uh, you know blacklist you, make sure that you can't get any uh, people working on your campaign, any yeah. consultants, etc. Uh, so that that probably does make sense uh, since Pelosi put it together. Um, so. I'm gonna ask you a random curveball here. If you win uh, the seat here and Pelosi's still around, do you vote for her for Speaker of the House? If there's nobody more progressive, I would. But mm -hmm. I would not appreciate some kind of maneuver like the problem solvers were doing where they were trying to get somebody more conservative than her in. You know, If she's the best, most progressive choice, I would. But I would hope there would be somebody more progressive to choose from. All right, I hear you. So what are your top priorities in, in if you win? Number one is the Green New Deal because I think it's an existential threat we face. It's in my district, you know, where I live in Tacoma. We've had summers of ashes literally falling from the sky because of wildfires in not even in Tacoma, in British Columbia, Eastern Washington, just coming up and falling from the sky like that. We have uh, native communities that are having to move because the uh, of the rising ocean tides, like lots of stuff like that. And so I would address that first. And then since it has a federal jobs guarantee in it, that's also really important for my district. A second would be Medicare for all and real single payer Medicare for all, you know, not kind of a Medicare for all light or, you know, keep the private companies still making their profit off insulin and all of that. And then the third one would be my housing plan, which includes national rent control and building 12 million public housing units in the next 10 years, because that's how many were short. And what's interesting about national rent control is that we had it in World War II. We had it under President Nixon, who instituted it. And President Truman wanted it because he thought it would um, stave off communism. I don't know what the logic there was because I think the right would now say that rent control is communist. But um, yeah. <laughs> universal national rent control and then a massive investment in public housing. Yeah. Um, on behalf of Anna Kasparian, let me say Rebecca for WA.com. Okay. Because <laughs> no one. Uh, uh, Cares more about the housing problems in America than than Anna does on this show, and and I don't often get national candidates talking about housing problems, but it's a real problem. I ironically we did a story today. You mentioned Richard Nixon. It's true. A couple of his subordinates actually worked on getting more affordable housing. Their names were Dick Cheney and Don Rumsfeld. It's a true story. It's a true story. We didn't include it. Because we ran out of time in the when we were covering the story from the New York Times earlier today, but back then, even though those guys were massively right wing, we hadn't lost our democracy completely yet. So they were like, "Oh, we got to get votes. In order to get votes, we have to get housing for not just poor people but middle class people because it's becoming unaffordable." Since then, it's become far more unaffordable. But corporate Republicans and Democrats are like, "Who cares? I don't get my money from you. I don't care at all." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. that's what you ran into when you were at Indivisible. You send, you could send Kilmer a, a thousand letters; he wouldn't care at all. You send him a thousand dollars, you'll get his attention. Uh, so uh, interesting uh, top priorities. I don't think I let you finish. So you, you 
uh, you were talking about how you were in indivisible Tacoma. Mm -hmm. And then what happened next to get you, like, what were you doing and what made you want to uh, run for Congress? Well, I started, I wanted to run for office. I thought it would be a good way to serve. I wasn't really sure what I would run for. And as I just started learning more and more about Derek Kilmer's positions, and then we started getting these dire warnings like the 2030 climate deadline. And, you know, it's a big step to go, you know, first time candidate running for Congress. But I thought, you know, I could spend the next 15 years kind of kissing rings and doing all of that and trying to curry favor and get in a position where I would be, you know, a so called viable candidate. But by that time, we would be way past 2030. And so I decided this was really the best course of action to take because we just don't have the time for this kind of corporate incrementalist stuff. Yeah, we had a category five park itself on top of the Bahamas for a couple of days, which mm -hmm. is unusual. We have the Alaska snow forest on fire, mm -hmm. which is unusual. Uh, we have a, um, an area the size of Vermont on fire in the Siberian forest, oh, which is unusual. Uh, and and yet the Kilmers of the world uh, sit there saying green dream or whatever, not yeah. interested, not going to yeah. co-sponsor it. Exactly. Um, so, what's your plan for defeating? My plan, uh, I have two approaches. One is uh, raising my national profile, letting people know just how critical this race is because. As chair of the New Democrats, he's in control of a lot of money. They dispense money to candidates. Also, he donates you know, hundreds of thousands to the DCCC through his own fundraising. So he's in charge of both the money he fundraises and gives to candidates in the DCCC. And also as chair of the New Dems, just millions going out to other establishment Democrats to try to maintain the status quo. And so it's really important to cut off that flow of money, get somebody else in the seat for Washington's 6th Congressional District. And also just really send a message and say like this third way stuff is over and progressives and the country and regular working people want something else. And then the second one is in my district, a massive canvassing campaign. So it's a big district, but I'm gonna have teams all over the district. We're out canvassing every night and having people just get to know who I am and why my policies are better and why they should vote for me. So last thing, you're part of the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. And normally when you're a woman and you're part of that community, etc., a lot of the big national uh, uh, Washington groups come to yeah. help you. So I'm sure since <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> since you're in that community yeah. and uh, women empowerment, and mm -hmm. so they're oh, they've all come to rush they're you. They're just as, knocking down uh, the doors, yeah. right? No, no. no. <laughs> Talk to one of them. It's a national organization. I fall into their constituency, and they said, you know, we wouldn't be opposed to endorsing you, but we only want to endorse viable candidates, and that means raising $150,000 in your first quarter. Ah, uh, I see. <laughs> right. So if you're not already wealthy. Sorry, you're not viable. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder how we got to have a corrupt Congress. I can't quite <laughs> yeah, tell. Right. By the way, that's not the Republican Party, that's the Democratic Party and their allies. Yeah. Okay. Rebecca for Washington.com, Rebecca for WA.com. Uh, that's the website. Uh, links will be down below if you're watching this later on YouTube or Facebook. Just click on them, donate, volunteer. There's no corporate PAC money. This is how uh, progressives take power, and so we can get your results. Uh, and tell everyone you know in Washington's sixth district they have a real alternative. Cool. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thanks. All right, when we come back, uh, a unique uh, live and free last half hour of the Young Turks. Normally it's just for members, but we're going to do Ask Me Anything. So if you're a YouTube member, uh, or meaning a Young Turks member on YouTube, or a Young Turks member on our website, tyt.com, you'll get to ask us anything when we return. <laughs> 